Welcome to the latest edition of the Small Business Britain podcast. This week we are talking scaling up and what roadblocks as small business owners get in our way preventing us doing just that. I am joined by the fantastic Andrew and Pete, founders of Atomic and who work specifically with small business owners to work less, focus more and grow quicker. It's a great chat where Andrew and Pete share their top three tips for scaling up and we also discuss Peter Andre under that waterfall. It's varied. Really hope you enjoy. So, hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Small Business Britain podcast. I am very excited to be joined by Andrew and Pete of Andrew and Pete fame, clues in the title there. Hello, how are you? Hello. Hello. (laughs) We are so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Isn't it a pleasure? It's so nice to meet you. Um, What's your name? Where do you come from? Tell us about what you do. (laughs) All right. So we are Andrew and Pete. Andrew, do you want to give them the voice of Andrew? This this is the voice of Andrew. (laughs) And this is the voice of Pete. So you know who we are now. Amazing. And we run a company called Andrew and Pete. And basically... We love to help small business owners to scale up their business, make more money without having to hustle their face off and work all the hours of the day. So um, that's that's us in a nutshell. We're best friends. We have this membership site called Atomic, Mm -hmm. which is to help all the small business owners out there. And we just love small business owners. Amazing. I'm like the hustling the face off. I think we can all relate to that, can't we, everybody that's yes, listening? Yes, too many late nights. Too many late too nights. Many late too working, many like, why am I sat hands. here at 6am? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. So what are the biggest, you know, issues that you hear for small business owners? Obviously, we've touched on, you know, lack of time. We're maybe not earning enough. We're maybe, you know, when you look at your hourly rate, it's a little bit pitiful when you work it all out. Is that? Is there anything else that people come to you with? Yeah. You know what? A lot of people come to us with those things. Like, I'm not earning enough money. I wish I was making more sales. I wish I didn't have to work as much. And when when we dig a bit deeper with them, it all comes down to the same thing, usually. And usually, it's a lack of confidence in Mm. themselves. And no matter what level you're at in business, whether you've been, whether you've just started or whether you've been going for years, confidence is always going to hold you back. And even people that feel like they've got all the confidence in the world, everyone eventually reaches what we call a confidence plateau. Right. Where they've kind of plateaued in their growth or they've plateaued in what they think they can achieve. And there's like something that's holding them back from getting to that next level. And like a lot of the unpicking that we do, especially in Atomic and with our one-to-one clients that we've worked with in the past is just giving them the confidence to like go out there and go for it. Mm. Yeah, because if you think about it, everything in business is a series of mini leaps of faith. Yeah. Right. It's all just a ton of unknown stuff that you've never done before. Like, should I post this on social media? (laughs) I've never done that before. Right. I've never gone live before. I've never... Uh, done a sales email before I've never made a lead magnet before I've never done a call like Mm. sales call before everything that you do in business is is the first time Mm. so if you want to grow your business you need to do things like niche down you need to scale you need to sell more you need to post all this stuff you need to outsource and yet no one's ever taught you to do that it's unknown and thus it's inherently scary. And mm. if we don't have the self-belief, the confidence to just go into that with the mindset of, you know what, this might fail, but I just got to try it and do mm. it, then we get held back. 
yeah. get held back. So, like, we have, we have, like, a framework in Atomic to help people get over those confidence plateaus mm-hmm. because everybody reaches a plateau at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you uh, think depending on their level of confidence? Yeah, I was just going to say, do you think obviously we're in a very challenging year at the moment, aren't we? Where mm-hmm. small business owners, yeah. you know, we're hearing some phenomenal stories about businesses that have completely adapted. They've opened new revenue streams, they've opened yeah. new audiences, um, and that's taken guts and almost like a forced thing where they've had to embrace digital skills and had to maybe do things that were in their plan a, a while yeah. away, but they've had to sort of embrace it, but. And I think that's really important Mm. because there's two sides to that coin. So on one side, we we have this motto in Atomic, which is basically, if you don't feel good, you don't do good. Yeah. Or on the flip side, if you feel good, you do good, right? Mm. So if you need this confidence, you need to feel good about yourself. And with the lockdown, a lot of people are feeling very, you know, crappy about Mm. themselves, basically. And it's stopped people dead in their tracks for a lot of people but on the flip side for a lot of people it's also raised the stakes for them you know if they don't do something then they're screwed basically (laughs) so they have to do something and this is an external motivator yeah which is you know demotivating or motivating some people but wouldn't it be cool if rather than having a forced external motivator, which doesn't come when you want it to come. (laughs) Like, what if it was a positive motivator that you actually controlled Mm. to help you raise the stakes on yourself to actually get over those confidence plateaus and take new leaps of faith to bigger heights, to make more money, to to actually have a successful business that you want? I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that we've learned Mm. is if, you if if you're going to act it's really easy to be held back by the fear and the uncertainty and often we're waiting around for those external motivators like a pandemic to happen to like force us to do things that we should have done years ago and like in atomic what we've been experimenting this year like inspired by that inspired by seeing everybody like do amazing things when they've had to is like, how can you create those external motivators for yourself? Yeah. Like, how do you actually raise the stakes on yourself? Mm. Even to a point of um, in Atomic, what we did is, and you can do this yourself as well, we, <laughs> we ran an Atomic sprint, right? And what we did is we got all of our members to tell us um, what they wanted to achieve mm. in the next three weeks, right? And that's not they set the goal, yeah. but then they also set the tasks. Like, what tasks did they actually have to do? to achieve that goal and then we got them to all pay us a wager and almost wage (laughs) on their own success it sounds crazy and it wasn't and it it. wasn't a wager on achieving that goal it was a wager on doing all of those tasks that maybe seem a bit yeah Yeah. doing the work and doing it a bit scary and we got them to set the wager based on what they felt like was big enough for some people like a fiver is what they don't want to lose for some people it's like a few thousand pounds of a wager on themselves gosh right and we said, right, we're going to sprint. We got like a, a small subset of like 60 people to do it for the first time we did mm. it. And it was like, right, you've told us, like we haven't told you what you're going to do. You've told us what you know <laughs> you need to do over the next three weeks. Yeah. And we're going to be checking and you have to like submit your evidence to show us that you've done the tasks. Every single person did 100% of their tasks. Wow. And is that and just because they owned it? They had that sort of, you know, 
it, it's because yeah, it's because the stakes were raised. Yeah, it's because we raised the stakes themselves. Like there's lot there's three mm. main ways that you can raise the stakes on yourself. So the first is you can um, make a promise. You can make a promise to someone that you don't want to let down. Mm. The second one is you can make a public statement. Nobody um, <laughs> wants to feel humiliated at like on not doing level. what they've said they can do. <laughs> yeah. And like sometimes those are enough. Like sometimes you mm. don't want to let someone down enough. Sometimes you don't want to feel humiliated. Mm. But often like the biggest way to actually act is having that fear of financial failure. Mm. And I think that's what like the um, the virus has done yeah. to a lot of small businesses who have like been forced like to fight pivot. or flight mode, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. And like if you can do that constantly, like how fast can you go in your business growth? Mm. Yeah. By just doing something as small as like getting together with a group of friends or a group of business contacts and like putting a wager on on yourself. And yeah. it's not even like a bet because you're literally saying these are the tasks I need to do. I just need the that motivator to actually to go it. and do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. And I think so many people maybe over the last few months are, are quite fatigued, aren't they? They're very busy mm-hmm. doing rather than planning. They're sort of so in it, aren't they? Getting through the weeks, getting through the days that maybe this, this scaling up or this, you know, growth, it, mm-hmm. it feels a little bit disjointed at the moment, arguably. Yes, it's tough. Like it's so tough out there. And I think like what we've absolutely loved over like our business journey is just being supported by people and our peers around us. And I think a lot of the time it feels quite lonely being a small business owner. You feel like you're in this by yourself. And like if that's you and you're listening to this, like we would encourage you to go out and find that community wherever it is. Because there is so much help out there if you like reach out and ask for it yep. and like find like-minded people. Um, and often it's like me and Pete set off on this journey when we were 21. We were like fresh out of university and like we were just completely like alone. Like it felt like like university did not set us up for this life. Like they set you up for doing a marketing degree, doing a business degree, <laughs> then going working for a corporate. Yeah. It's like there was kind of stuff, but there wasn't we never felt pushed to do it no. all of our friends went out got corporate jobs our parents were like are you sure you want to do this guys like are you really sure you want to do this guys and but like we soon found there was like-minded people out there that had the same issues that as us that had conquered those issues and like what we're constantly doing is trying not to be like the smartest in the room like finding people that have been there people who've done that people that are willing to like give back and like give you a leg up too definitely um and it's always so inspiring, isn't it? You know, like you say, to surround yourself with that correct tribe or that correct group of people. And we're speaking to loads of small business owners at the minute because we're in the middle of our Small Business Saturday tour. And, you know, the the actual resilience and the, the stoic nature of these amazing people that are not only adapting their businesses, but they're finding this support and the time mm-hmm. to support fellow like-minded business owners is really inspirational, actually. And it takes a... I think they're just such a unique, special kind of person to be able to do that in the first place. You know, to have the the guts to even start your own business and raise your head above the parapet a little bit is massive, isn't it? And then, yes. you know, to, to to sort of wave that flag. So we're in a unique, special company, I believe. Um, so mm-hmm. I want to go back a little bit about, you know, yeah. we go back to university. Andrew and Pete have got a pint at the student union bar, <laughs> you know, looking at each other going... 
we should do something together. How did it work? What happened? Why small businesses? Is that, is that exactly how it happened? Um, it was. It, I mean, you're not too far off, to be honest, really, thinking about <laughs> Maybe there's one more than just one, one pint. pint. Yeah, maybe a few pints in. <laughs> plural pints, plural pints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we loved, like, we always had that entrepreneurial kind of, Drive like we both run the Entrepreneur Society at um, Lancaster University, oh, so wow. it was great. We probably learned more like getting in all the inspirational speakers and like doing all the activities that came around that. So I think that's what really drew us to small businesses because it felt like every time we built a website or every time we helped someone with like the startup strategy or the marketing mm. strategy or the sales strategy, it was like we were helping and we were like setting up another business do you know what I mean mm. we could see like the vision like for their business and we always loved working with the person who was like taking that risk taking that jump mm. small businesses was always our jam that's where the name Atomic came from we actually wanted to like stop calling them small businesses because I think inherently like calling them small it sounds like inferior to like a large business medium-sized business so, like, Atomic was all about, no, you're not small, you're small and you're mighty. Yeah, right? love it. It's like, you can run a hugely profitable small business or an Atomic business and make just as much money, if not more money, like, per person than a big one. Yeah. And you can have the life that you want to live, you can have, like, the freedom and flexibilities, you don't have to take the stresses home. Because I think, especially growing up, like, me and Pete always dreamed of becoming like the next Richard Branson mm. and having like the the HQs the all over the world <laughs> yeah. and like all of this and like skyscrapers with our names on the side. And I think the longer we got into it, the more we realized, oh, we don't want that. Like we want to be able to get up and not have to commute to work. We want to be able to have like our team all over the world. And now we have a team of 13 outsourcers that literally are all over the world Amazing. and we just communicate via like um slack and yeah Zoom. yeah and isn't and it wonderful and it's it's been so inspiring actually that these small business sorry atomic businesses atomic businesses um, yeah. can you know they can make a decision on a thursday night about their business and it can be implemented friday morning whereas in the bigger yes. ones you know you're having to have meetings about meetings aren't you and then it doesn't get done until months down the line so this power at the moment to change and adapt is is really quite something isn't it yeah especially with all the tools available now mm. to scale yeah and i think that's maybe how we started this which we could you know maybe come back to a little bit um about you know the three ways that a small business owner can scale so that they can make more money than those people who have big corporations, right, per person, and, you know, um, have a more stress-free life as well, which I think is something we all want at the yes. moment, yes. Mm. So uh, the first way to scale up your business is very, very, very simple. It's to raise your prices. If you charge twice as much, then you can do half the amount. Yeah, can we just define scaling? Because to us, scaling is being able to make more money without having to work more. Yes, like, yes. If, it's not about working that. more hours, is it? Yeah. No, it's not about working more hours. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, um, if you are a coach or a consultant, you know, rather than charge £100 per hour, you know, you can charge £5,000 per hour. It takes some time to build up that confidence in the demand, of course, 
but you can keep on charging this much. We know speakers that get paid like 30 grand for speaking gigs, mm. plus like even up to like 100 grand. Mm-hmm. We know because we've hired these people for our conference at Telecon, <laughs> right? You can charge way more than what you mm. think. And 99% of small business owners are undercharging themselves. And again, this is one of those confidence plateaus. How do we raise our prices with our current clients? How do I raise our prices in the future? How do we generate the demand so that we feel confident enough to keep raising our prices? But number one is raise your prices. And as a small business owner, you need to consistently do that on an ongoing basis. You are listening to the Small Business Britain podcast with me, Karen Campbell. Raising your prices, I think people are worried what their clients will will think. Will they leave? Mm-hmm. How would you answer that? Okay, so the first thing that you need to do is you need to change your mindset around pricing. So prices go up. Like, that is a fact. Prices go up. Like, if you have an office, the price of that office is going to go up Mm. year on year, right? The prices in supermarkets, they go up year on year. Inflation. Yeah, (laughs) where if you're like a web designer, for some reason you're sat there and you're thinking, my prices can't go up. And it's like, why can't your prices go up when everyone else's prices go up, right? Mm. So prices can go up. The way to do it is to not make it an emotional decision. Right. Right. So so we we teach people like how to do this with the current clients and um, any new clients they've got. So if you just take the emotion out of it, And if you say to your clients, like, hey, I know we've been charging um, this much. Um, I'm actually due uh, my annual price increase. I haven't actually done this for the past few years. Um, You've been on this current pricing. Mm -hmm. These are my new prices. Um, If you've got any questions, like, let's talk about it. But, like, these are my new prices as of... 1st of January or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you just need to make it less... Emotional, emotional mm. more kind of like matter of fact, like this is business, this is how But I like works. that you've given an opening there, though. You, we can talk about this. If it, if it is a real issue, then that's your your prerogative, isn't it, to, to either keep them on the old price if you want to, for example. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, you can, obviously, we should like talk to our clients and we should make sure that they're happy. And if they're not happy, there's ways to work it out. Mm. But there does come a point where you need to ask yourself, like, what is your worth? Mm. Like, what is your worth? And if a client is, can't afford, like, what you're actually worth and you've been charging peanuts for the past, like, three mm. years because you were really unconfident when you first set yeah. up. Yeah, are they your clients, like, really? Are they, yeah, are they the right clients? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with becoming more expensive and having to walk away from certain bits of business. And, and in fact, this is, this often leads to what, what we call an entrepreneur's catch-22, And by that, we mean if you want to have more time to grow your business, right? You need to, you need time to grow your business, to create content, to do proactive sales, to build funnels, et cetera. If you want to do that, you need time. And what we see is most people just spend 99% of their time on client work. Mm. And they have to do that because they're not charging enough. Right. So they're chasing their tail the whole time. Yeah. So unless you raise your prices, then you will forever be in that catch-22 of working too long for low-paid clients. Okay. Yeah. And, like, if you lose some clients, 
like you, you, you always need to like bring it back to logical decision making. Yes. I think like small business owners are really they really easy like get caught up in their in their emotions. Like we always run back every decision to our numbers. So if we make X decision, what could potentially happen? All right, we could potentially lose client A, but if client B says yes to the new rates, are we actually better off on this? It's like, did we even want client A anyway? So we like always run it back to the numbers. I feel like that just gives you the logical brain. And yeah. then just do what we call consequence forecasting. So, okay, I'm going to send this email to client A, if they come back and they say, no, what am I going to say back to that? If they come back and say, can we talk about this? Right, what are we going to talk about in that meeting? And just like mapping out what could potentially happen. Yes. And the other thing to think about here, like logically and not from an irrational, emotional, oh my God, I don't want to lose a client brain, is that you actually get more time back. Mm-hmm. So for example, we have um, we, we had this member called Danielle, and after Atomicon, she was all fired up. We we told her about the Catch-22s, and she was so fired up, and she wanted to launch this new course about video marketing. Mm-hmm. But she just didn't have any time. She wasn't making enough money, right? So what, what could she do? She could raise the prices. Um, but what she actually decided to do, which is something we've told people before, and don't hate us or run away when we tell you this, but she actually fired her biggest retainer client. Wow. So she actually fired 90% of her income in one go. Gosh. Right. Brave. But she'd done the she'd done the consequence forecasting. She knew she had a good solid two to three months of income to last. What did she do in those two to three months? Well, she spent her time growing her audience, teasing them about an upcoming course, launching the course. And when she launched the course, she made twice as much money as she'd ever made with this other client. Wow. So and being now brave. She's in a much better place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. It was brave, but it was brave. But she she always she brought it back to the, the logic. It's logic. You're not being fly by night and going, oh, I'll just do this. There's a reason behind everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And and that's amazing. And it's it's I suppose it's it is completely back to what you said. It's knowing your worth, isn't it? And valuing your mm. time. And yes. why are you charging the same amount you were charging five years ago when you started when you're you've got five years worth of experience to boot on top of what you're doing? Yeah. Exactly. When we set up our business, we adopted an always going up strategy. So literally if we got a client to pay us X pounds, the next client we would charge more, and the next client we would charge more, and the next client we would charge more. And one of our business mentors, um, Drew Davis, he used to run an agency as well. And he said he used to have a, um, a saying with his team, which was fastest way to the no. So they never actually celebrated when they got a yeses on the quotes because they said, oh, we could have charged more. Right. So... He like just pushed it and it was like, if you get a no, great. That's great. It means you're charging enough. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> isn't it? So when people go, yeah, that's fine. You're like, oh, damn. damn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, completely, exactly. completely. <laughs> so, you know, there will be people listening to this going, yeah, it makes complete sense. I get it logically. But doing it is a different beast, isn't it? Sometimes people, mm-hmm. you know, they have got, you know, one amazing thing about small business owners is they have a great relationship with their client base. So, you mm-hmm. know, it is tough, isn't it? But you believe logical, you know, take the emotion out of it. Just say it as it is. Normally yes. gets the results you want. You need encouragement. You need to plan out what the actual consequences are. 
the other thing that you can do is like if you can you can do this with some decisions not necessarily all but like we always try to do a little proof of concept first Mm -hmm. so rather than as saying okay you've got five clients go put up your prices on every single one of your clients like which one do you think has either got the biggest chance of saying yes that will give you a little bit of confidence or which confidence do you not care which one do you not care about the most so it doesn't matter if they go yeah and just like you don't have to do everything in one go if you can like prove a concept and use that proof of concept with a change something and try something differently or give you the confidence to know to say no this is the right route forward let's go for it that's what we're always trying to do as well i think that's brilliant so you would advise i imagine to not have prices on your website and to have everything as a need to know basis it's it's difficult, this one. So prices on the website, I feel like there's two sides to this, isn't there? And I feel like it definitely depends on your business. Yeah. Anyone in like the B2B service industry, what we used to do, which worked really well, was we had like a price brochure that you could download, Ooh. which was just a really good way of generating leads. So like we said, okay, this is how you can work with Andrew and Pete if you're interested in knowing pricing and a bit more about it. Um, here's a brochure, download it. We don't actually do... your name and email address. Yeah, enter your name and email address. So we're capturing data and it was really easy to follow up with those people. And what do you do? You're just your list of services with a cost attributed to each thing? Yeah, it was a list of services. It was almost like a little sales page per... Um, yeah, per page of the PDF. But I think that's what like people the, want. Yeah. They don't want the ambiguity because... You know, it's that awful thing, isn't it? When you inquire, yeah. then it's like, it's five million pounds. And you're like, oh, thank you anyway. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's that you want like a little bit of an idea of the ballpark, don't you, of where you're going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And even if you have prices on your website, you can still put those up. Every proposal we sent out, every brochure we did, we had prices valid from one month of this date. Yeah. So get it while you can. Exactly. Yeah. So we need to go to point two. Yeah. Oh, my God. Quick, quick, yeah, quick. that was only point one. All right. Point two is... <laughs> You have to realize you don't have to do all the work yourself. And this was a big learning point for us. Mm. And the minute we started outsourcing and growing our virtual team, even though that seems like a cost, it's not. The minute we started investing in our virtual team, we made more money because we freed up time to work on what actually mattered to grow the business. So don't think that you have to do it all yourself. And I think often we get into this mindset of, as a small business where you feel like you are a web designer, you feel like you are a social media manager or an accountant. And it's like, you're not, you are a entrepreneur who owns a web design company. Yeah. And like, you do not have to do all the work yourself. And outsourcing is another one of these confidence plateaus that you can get. It's a bit scary to do. You feel like you're committing, you feel like you're losing some of your profits, like almost immediately. But again, just do exactly what we did. Like map out what does that actually look like? Okay, I outsource. It costs me X pounds a month. What does it save me? What can I reinvest that time into? And can you do a test? So just take on someone for like a month. Take someone on for two months. see how you feel. Yeah. See how it feels. And don't outsource the stuff that doesn't make money. People often outsource the wrong thing. So they'll say like, I hate doing Twitter. I am going to pay someone to outsource to do my Twitter for me. And it's like, is Twitter making you money? And they'll say, no. And we'll say, well, that's a stupid waste of your time. So if you say to me, I get all my leads from Instagram, 
um, but I like doing Instagram, so that's why I'm outsourcing Twitter. We'd say, no, outsource your Instagram yeah. so you can do bigger, better Instagram because you've already proven that works. Yeah. There will be people listening to this that are probably thinking right now, I can't do that. I'm the one that has to do the work. And we were those people ourselves. We thought that. We thought we're the only ones that can do it. People are paying for me or people can't write scripts from my YouTube as good as I can. Yeah. It's not true. There are talented specialists that <laughs> yeah, are better than you at you are. for those specific tasks. Yeah. And yeah. like, for example, the first thing we ever outsourced was our video editing for our YouTube channel, right? Okay. And it cost us about $50 per hour, right? And we do four videos a month. Gosh. And so it's a big cost, it's yeah. A couple of hours, you yeah. know? So that was quite, quite a lot of money each month. But we can charge... Well, we can charge more now, but back then we were charging like, let's say 300, 400 mm. pounds per hour. Right. Okay. So if we save four hours oh. and bearing in mind, an editor can do it in half the time. Because so they, they know do what it they're in doing. Two hours. Yeah, yeah. They know what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Right. We've saved four hours. And if we can just sell something or use that time to generate more income, yeah. it pays for itself 10 times over. Mm. And this is the key, right? We need to use our time more efficiently. Mm. You don't need to do everything in your business. <laughs> People are working the weekends, doing the books, doing their accounts, doing the admin, yeah. doing the graphic design, doing this, doing that. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to do it. You don't need to do all the sales stuff. You don't need to do all the business stuff. You don't need to do the delivery. Mm. Like everything in your business can actually be outsourced it's, eventually it's just eventually. being brave enough i suppose it's just knowing one you can do that and not seeing it as a you're losing money because of what you'll be gaining so it's that yeah. mindset thing again isn't it i yeah. imagine and it, it, it also ties into like the first point like if you are not charging enough right now then you probably can't afford it yeah because you're not charging enough so you it, it really does come back to like charging what you were good rates yeah so yes. you can delegate you don't have to look at an accountancy mm. spreadsheet if you don't want to yes, yes. i am all with you on that one <laughs> yes <for sure>. <laughs> life <laughs> is too short to be doing the accounts in all right opinion. so yes. the third thing third. the third thing <laughs> the third way to scale up your small business and become a, an atomic business love it which kicks ass um, <laughs> is basically to launch scalable products okay so this is this could be anything. It could be affiliate income. It could be ad revenue. It could be books. Mm. It could be courses. It could be memberships. It could be taking a percentage of sales that you make for another company. Um, what else have I missed? Yeah, even just like adding recurring income. So if you have a service-based business um, or even a product-based business, like how are you not just signing up customers to buy once? Like how are you signing up customers to buy month and month and month? And just that predictability gives you so much, like, less stress. It mm. gives you so much more confidence. Mm. And, like, you can build your business model and, like, what you're selling to your clients around building a more regular, um, predictable, scalable income. So, for example, like, the two two sides of this, right, uh, Danielle, before that we mentioned, yep. she fired her client, she launched a course, right? All of a sudden... She doesn't need to deliver that course every single time. She can sell that as many times as she likes, which is great. On the flip side, you've got people like another one of our members called Zeriel. He um, he does Facebook ad management for companies. And basically, he started charging a percentage of ad spend. Oh. Right? So the bigger company he worked for, 
the bigger the ad spend they had, the bigger the percentage he got. Yeah. So in two months of joining Atomic, he added an extra $20,000 worth of recurring revenue every single month just by doing that alone. Amazing. Which is insane, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 If you've got products as well, you can do this. So we've got mm-hmm. another member of Atomic who does um, eco-friendly dog poo bags. Love it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're so uneco-friendly, the original ones. So I'm signed up to like a six-monthly subscription to these dog poo bags because that's the last thing you want to think about, right? When you're in Asda, like, have I got enough dog poo bags in, in the drawer? So they just come every six months. And it's just, yeah, super easy way. Super easy way of just getting regular, predictable income. Yeah. And then it's the onus is on that customer to stop that if they want to. Yes. So there's so yeah. many quick wins, isn't there, in terms of what people can be doing right now? And, you know, I suppose at the moment people maybe are a little bit extra nervous about income about you know the sustainability of their business but would your advice be just to you know scale up crack on as you would i think as 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 much as you can we know it's tough out there we know especially some industries have been hit like a lot more than others i think we cannot stop marketing we cannot stop selling it's like mm. this pandemic has been with with us a long time now and it might not be going away like we're probably not going away in the next few months so if you just like stop and don't try to either pivot or sell or market then you're going to come out of it worse than you went in and i think the other thing to add to that is that when you are looking to sell services you know you got to think about the two sides of the coin so a lot of people have been hit hard and bad and they might not have the budget or the headspace to work with you. But on the flip side, some people have actually done quite well out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not not to say that they're profiting from this misery, no. but just naturally because of the services they provide. Are you talking about done, Zoom? But yeah, like Zoom. Are you talking about yeah, Zoom? Yeah. Everyone should start selling to Zoom. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are companies like that. And like we, um, as well as, as selling to small businesses, like another market is we partner with like tools and services okay. who provide services to small businesses and like your social media management tools, like your companies, not Zoom, but like companies like Zoom, um, we wish one day. <laughs> Zoom That's on your listening. goal list, is it? Yeah. Zoom, if you're listening, call we'll, us. We'll get Zoom. But like a lot of those guys have got budgets to spend and like they are doing well out of this. Yeah. There's a lot of hope and a lot of really good success stories going on out there at the moment, you know. And yeah. like we were saying, you know, people are, the consumer are noticing small businesses a lot more, aren't they? They're wanting to support them. They're wanting to yes. shop local. And it's, it's just so brilliant to see. And let's hope it it's a permanent addition to the you know, shopping landscape, as it were. We love that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. (laughs) Brilliant. You two legends. Thank you. How can people Ah. get involved? Have a bit of Andrew and Pete. Oh, thank you so much for having (laughs) us. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you want to listen to us more, then we create weekly free video content on our YouTube channel. So if you go to andrewandpete.tv, that will take you right to our YouTube channel or just search Andrew and Pete. I think we're the only Andrew and Pete. You know, it's funny. It's Andrew and Pete and not Pete and Andrew because... Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, back in the day, back in the day, if you searched Pete and Andrew, you just got a lot of photos of Pete and Andre. (laughs) That's 
Google, Google thought, Google thought you were like you had got his, his name wrong. It's like, no, you mean Peter Andre, don't you? No, I think if you search Peter and Andre, we do pop up. So I don't know. Oh, if so that's you've made like it. An, that's success I feel right like that's there. That's an official sign yeah. that we've made it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need but to give, do something with Peter Andre though to mark one of your anniversaries or something. I feel like we need the abs. We need to be doing some more setups, yeah. don't we? So we can. You need to be under a waterfall and stuff. Is that yeah, what you mysterious did? Mysterious girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God, that, that was a big digress from how you can find us. But yeah. so, like, but, I mean, so, it's a welcome one. It's a welcome yeah, one. Yeah, there we go. Absolutely. No, brilliant. And so, what's the future looking like for you guys? What's on the radar? We're super excited for 2021. We had to move our conference virtually in 2020. So, we're just excited to get the band back together in 2021. We've got Deborah Meaden of Dragon's <gasps> Dame fame, Amazing. even. Dragon's Dame fame. <laughs> coming, coming up to Newcastle, Geordie Town. Is she brilliant? Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah. We cannot wait just to yeah. like get our members back together and like Aww. see everyone. Fabulous. Um, and when's that happening? Yeah. That is November the 9th. 2021 so we've got about a year to go lots to plan for we started planning this event in january 2019 so we worked it out the other day it's going to be 35 years 35 months 35 <laughs> months. feeling like that that was a freudian slip We're not even 35, not even 35. <laughs> 35 months going on 35 years yeah. in the making of this in, in event in the making yeah. of this event so, so deborah be, better come up trumps hadn't she oh my god the after party is going to be worth worth it alone i'm mm-hmm. sure so we'll see you like yeah doing the caterpillar or something you know by yeah. by 8 p.m love it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll be doing mysterious girl dancing <laughs> mysterious girl in the if waterfall maybe amazing <laughs> guys thank you so so much for joining us uh, we really what appreciate a it. brilliant Loads chat with andrew everything. and pete oh, a huge thank you, so thank you both for joining Bye. us so Bye. many insights and tips for small business Bye. owners about how to know your worth how to scale up and how confidence is the crux of all success we really hope you enjoyed it please do like share and check out all the other great interviews on the podcast Please find out more about Andrew and Pete at andrewandpete.com and we will see you really soon. The Small Business Britain podcast is hosted by Karen Campbell from karencampbellmarketing.com. The producer, editor and composer is Ben Lloyd-Evans from bleproduction.com. You can always find out more at smallbusinessbritain.uk.